Hello friends, compatriots, and kindness warriors. My name is Cassie Roma and I'd like to welcome you to Benevolent Banter, a podcast where good chats is where it's at. <laughs> My hope for this podcast is simple, and that is that each episode will be infused with kindness, fun, depth, and a sense of exploration. The end result? A bringing to life of a shared belief that we really can make the world a better place, one conversation at a time. In this podcast, I might be riffing alone, like I am now, or I could have a guest or two along for the ride. Either way, I'd like to thank you up front for sharing your most valuable asset with me, your time. Right, let's get into it. This is Benevolent Banter. How are you? Kia ora, kia ora. Welcome to the first ever benevolent banter. Ba, ba, ba. Ba, ba, ba. The place where we have lots of cool bants with cool people. We were told this morning uh, that we are the most literally leaned back, laid out folks uh, ever. So um, my name is Cassie Roma, if we haven't met before. And uh, benevolent banter is an I, um, profanity filter warning. We might say fuck. Um, yeah, there could be some profane things, but introducing him, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Why, thank you, Cassie, and what an honor to be your first guest. Like, <laughs> genuinely, uh, pretty stoked for that. Um, yes, my name is Kasim Naim, aka Q. I um, am a bit of a data person, I suppose, is the general branding. I've been consciously trying to avoid the corporate lean data on person? the identity. Yeah, yeah. Is this an undercover nerd? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah okay, okay. Um, but I, I fortunately rode the wave um, when nerds started becoming cool. You know, they were like, sexiest job, 2009, was like data scientist. And I was like, yep. Wow, <laughs> yeah, really? I think, I don't know if 2009, but it did hit Time's top list at some I point. Mean, shout out to 2009. Shout out to 2009. <laughs> More than 10 years ago now, right? Um, I know, one of, the, one of yeah. the sad things that hit people, um, we're as far away from 1990 as we are from 2050, and I was just <sighs> like, oh, man. Um, but nonetheless, I digress. Uh, I'm Q. I like data. I also <laughs> enjoy a bit of travel. I've lived in a few places around the world, um, and am genuinely looking at driving a lot of ways where I can help um, other people um, and help clients and help companies and help um, my team and anyone else grow effectively and like realize unrealized potential in their own way. And so that's manifested in a number of ways. Currently, I work in the advertising creative industry supporting um, FCB New Zealand in the data and technology space. That's awesome. What Q also didn't tell you is that if you didn't notice, we both have these American accents going on. Mm. Um, I've been in New Zealand for 17 years now. You and I met, what, like six months ago, yeah. and it feels like I've known you all those 17 yeah, years, yeah, which yeah. is hilarious. Not your gay mom, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but other people's. Yes, <laughs> we'll come to that later. Yeah, um, circle back. Yeah, circle back to that circle back. We'll yeah, pivot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about you. Like, where are you from? Tell me a bit about your childhood and what brought you to be sitting in this seat today. Lovely. Um, so kicked off in the very weird and awesome Portland, Oregon. Um, that's where I was brought into this world. Um, born to an uh, American mother from Michigan. For those of you on the video, like here in Michigan, it's Michigan. a little town called Owasso. Um, and the coolest thing about Michigan is that the map's a hand. 
So anybody you know from Michigan will reference where they are on the mitten, effectively. But nonetheless, um, I'm from Michigan. My dad was actually Palestinian, um, studying in the States at the time. And then after living and growing up in Portland oh, until, oh, I think just out of middle school, I uh, popped over to Qatar and lived in the Middle East for quite a little That's while. intermediate school age for our Kiwi listeners. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, sorry, year nine, I think, is when that finishes up and you go into high school or yeah, post-secondary yeah. or whatever you call yeah. it that thereafter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I round out my academic career in Qatar, um, which is a pretty buzzy place to live. Yeah. Um, lots of travel. Different to Portland. Big difference to Portland. Um, culturally, like immersing with um, the melting pot of their own. Like yeah. it's really interesting. It's just yeah. very distinct from the American melting pot. Yeah. Um, but still able to like, I, I don't know, one of the most fascinating for me things for about travel for me is being able to engage with like other cultures other societies see how like people live and where the similarities and yeah. nuance lies right which is like, why you'd love data yeah right? which is why i yeah. love data totally um you know just basically breaking down um society and people into ones and zeros <laughs> and figuring out how it goes from there and then realizing we are all in this together yeah. uh yeah. yeah yeah and kindness and generosity are so important you know um and then went back to the States, Washington State, um, go Cougs, um, went to WSU, <laughs> and jumped into microbiology, medical technology. Okay, so a real dum-dum from yeah, way back. Real, real yeah. dum-dum from way back. Um, <laughs> I was foolishly aspiring to go medical at the time, yeah. wow. as many people do, yep. Um, yep. which is one of those funny career paths where, especially anybody with immigrant parents knows that there's like really three options, and yeah. this, you can be like a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer. Yep. Um, so I was going the doctor route. Um, and, you know, you look around, and I remember on day one of some of the, through I actually go medical, um, and at that stage as well, yeah. and it wasn't because you wash out. Like, some people, of course, wash out of medical, but it was just like, you kind of open your eyes to the nuance within the field, and you're Correct. always like, I didn't need to go MD. So I was doing medical tech, microbiology, um, cancer research, so like wow. cancer targeting research and wow. things. Yep. And I get to say the little line of how I you know, went from targeting cancer in a lab to targeting consumers in the real world, but. Whoa, man, whoa. whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but did a bit of that. Uh, got involved with business development within the university, realized um, that was a, a lot of what I wanted to do. Yeah. So we were like commercializing the research effectively and the opportunities to get them out to market. So yeah. there were a lot of brilliant PhDs and people working on developing and discovering and identifying new things. And then once they'd done that, the universities actually had a mechanism by which they developed those to get them out to market. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And so like IP and licensing and corporate agreements and all that kind of fun jazz. Um, at which point, through that process, I realized I didn't want to do med as much. Um, and so I ended up pursuing my postgrad in business and data analytics. Wow. And rounded that out. I went to UC Santa Barbara, like went to the beach most days, yeah, yeah, yeah. fell into history in mm. Spanish, yeah. and then wanted to go play the tambourine in Elton John's mm. touring mm. band. Yeah, well, so, you know, uh, <laughs> to, to each their own, I suppose, like slightly. Right. Like, different uh, ambitious like, still very similar i guess in a lot of other ways but here we like here we are literally the the reason we met was through work yeah it was through our colleagues and what we do around data and creativity and mm. connecting with people now what i really loved is that you said you were studying cancer mm -hmm. and you took that data and extrapolated it to mm. go okay i want to talk about consumers mm. what part of that drives you because you know there's a there's a piece of the puzzle and I know most people who know me would maybe say like 
full of positivity, but also a real cynical bitch sometimes when it comes to what businesses are putting out into the world and the actualizing uh, betterment for people. Mm. Tell me about that, because it feels to me like you've put betterment of humans behind both of those. So in your role today mm. here in New Zealand, how what gets you up? What gets you going in the morning from that perspective? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I suppose there's like the twofold, to, right? So I talked about like at a high level, it's all about unlocking this potential that just yeah. like exists around us, right? And doing yeah. whatever role I can personally to be additive to that rather than detractive. Nice. Um, but for microbiology to go into the consumers and data and everything, it's always been about this like, fundamental understanding. Like um, I really need to understand how things work, particularly if you expect me to talk about them, evangelize, do whatever else. And so um, life is this like great mystery. Not to get too meta, we'll come back real we'll quick, come back I promise. To that, yeah, yeah. But um, life's this great mystery that we don't even really fundamentally understand scientifically. Yeah. We under we can observe many things about how life manifests, but to like actually understand what drives it. And so microbiology, which is a study yeah. of small life, right? Biology, study of life, micro, small. <laughs> so we're studying small life, looking at like bacteria, viruses, different yeah. like things, which are as far as we can tell, like the single smallest units of life that yeah. you're able to study. And then when you look at things on that level, it's, it's easier to start to like decom um, deconstruct yeah. and identify what pieces do what and how, how it kind of works, right, to the best yeah. that we can tell. Yeah. Um, and I think people are very similar in that way, right? Like people are, so all, cool. are in, uh, I guess, an expression of life, but in their own way, the other great mystery, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's just what made that person click? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did that person do that thing? Yeah, and an individual. And then why, when you put people in groups, do they behave weird and differently mm. as well? You know, and like yeah. why and yeah. how? And so all of that, um, it's, I guess, driven from an inherent curiosity or a pursuit of how um, things work so that um, we can then influence, you know, outcomes based off of that. Um, I see that you, you got it right there for me. So the thing that makes, I think, the most passionate amongst us tick is that curiosity mm. around humanity. Mm. What, what in your childhood, were you born with an inherent curiosity? Did your parents help, like, generate this with you? Did they... You know, was there a different way of looking at the world? Was there a different lens? Because I'd say, you know, in America where we grew up, most of our cohorts of humans probably go within 100 miles of where we grew up, yeah. and that's their sphere of influence, which is why, and we can get to this later too, potentially, yeah. which is why Facebook and social media have been both so uplifting and so detrimental mm. to society. Mm. So what, what is the thing that has always driven you to be curious? Uh, <laughs> yeah, great <laughs> question. Really getting in there. Um, my folks um, were great. You know, yeah. I love my folks. They were supportive and awesome. Um, unique perspective in different things, mm -hmm. different levels of adversity that you grew up with, you know, in the context of immigrant parents or whatever else, and economic status, and you name it. So there are all those things that go. But um, there's that saying, like, at least I'm poorly translating or transliterating, but the carpenter's door squeaks, you know, and it's that concept of yeah. where, like, when, you know, you devote something to your profession or your career, you don't always look after your own things. You're so busy fixing everyone else's house and sorting yes. everyone else's squeaky doors, you don't always deal with yours. Um, and maybe, to that extent, I could say the same as a uh, way to scapegoat and sidestep this question. Yeah, yeah. Um, where <laughs> I've spent so much of my time trying to understand what makes other people tick and how things operate. And while I've been very introspective, particularly I've gotten older and matured in terms of um, being able to better understand and guide my own actions and behaviors. Okay. Yep. Um, I, I can't put my finger on a thing and be like, that's that's what drove my curiosity. You know, like, can you? Do you have? Um, 
No, but I think about, I think about like, um, the, the reason I asked that question too is because I think about the dichotomy between myself and my younger brother. Yeah. So my younger brother is in Michigan with his family. He is an orthopedic surgeon. He is just literally kicking ass. He's um, on the hand, he's near kind of where you uh, were. Yeah, that, that hits yeah, yeah, yeah but about like there, home. slightly higher yeah. than the Canadian border there. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Michigan. Yeah. Um, but Rob... Uh, was a basketball player when he was younger. My dad played for the Dodgers. We mm. were a sporty family. Mm. Um, lesbian. Uh, <laughs> not surprising that I grew up to be one. Um, but Rob, when he was a junior in high school, he broke his arm. Mm. And he was, he was going. He was being recruited by D1 schools. He was going to play sports. He broke his arm, and it just kind of stymied that dream. It stifled it. But his orthopedic surgeon helped him mentally and physically to get back to who he was. And I could see the shift in his life from the moment that orthopedic surgeon came into his life. And he had a drive then. He had a curiosity. He had a focus. Whereas me, I've been, I think maybe we're more similar in this direction. Even from a little girl, I've been like, wow, I'm really fascinated in that. I'm going to go find out about it. Wow, I'm fascinated about that. I want to learn about it. So for me, as a, as a professional person, I've quite often felt quite boxed in. Mm-hmm. And I've also, and I've, also felt, and let's talk about this now, more sidestepping. Being an American in New Zealand, and you're much fresher than I am, I feel like sometimes with the curiosity, um, it's something that's held up as something most people should be at work, but then there's also a weaponization of uh, not staying in our box. Have you found that? Yeah, definitely. Um, And to be fair to our Kiwi friends, it happened to me in the States as well. Like, I remember... I mean, not good. Yeah, (laughs) good. Great, Great. fantastic. Congratulations, (laughs) yeah. But even um, the first agency I worked at, I remember um, coming in straight out of grad school, like, um, energized, excited, doing whatever, trying to push, curious, trying to understand how this whole system worked. Um, And with the dynamics of business, you know, was stepping in and out of my box or my lane, as it was referred to at different times. Um, which makes people feel uncomfortable, right? And you can tell, um, particularly like there's always a risk of stepping on toes and things, but it was on one of my probably first business trips to Pittsburgh and it was with all these execs and I was like, ooh, you know, like I'm on this business trip. Um, But the CCO um, was chatting to me in the evening and he, one of the things he said that stuck with me was Ben, um, he's like, you don't know how to stay in your lane, but you add value when you do and that's rare, you know what I mean? And I think that's, that's one of the, the challenges. It's like, of course, you have to be considerate of the organization you're in Completely. and not create a toxic team environment. Completely. So you need to be able to like be supportive yeah. and help people around. Yeah. But then, um, so yeah, here in New Zealand, it's the same. I've never known how to stay in my lane, but I guess I've gotten better at setting expectations from day one. Um, I, yeah, in terms yeah. Of, yeah, same. Yeah, yeah so I like, feel like if you're open about the fact that um, you are a curious human, mm-hmm. I quite often will go into meetings a lot of the time now and say to people, I'm gonna probably ask a ton of questions yeah. And it's not because I think you don't know the answer. It's because I know you do. Mm-hmm. You're smarter than me. Mm-hmm. You're the expert. Mm-hmm. I want to learn so that I can understand the wider narrative yes. to what's going on and not just be able to apply it yeah. to a certain discipline yeah. or project. But the fact that you have to preface that, I mean, that's the other side of what you were talking about before in terms of like how um, weaponization of not knowing is yes. something I've heard you talk about yeah. that happens here as well. Yep. And um, the fact that questions are almost assumed to be like a shot or like a test, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, no, no, I'm not asking you to see if you know. Like, well, of course I'm not asking you why, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I found that um, to be, and I imagine this is all just, across the globe. Mm. I imagine it's just humanity. Mm. But I think specifically in, in my 
and maybe it's the type of business we're in. Maybe it's because it's it's data and it's new and it's the forefront. Like somebody said once, um, oh, Cassie Roma, she cut her teeth on the cutting edge. And I was like, nah, man, like, wow. No, I just had a university login. So I got on Facebook early because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. again, my brother, who's yeah. a doctor, <laughs> told me to get on it. And I was like, bro, mm -hmm. it's never going to beat MySpace. Yeah. He's the doctor. He yeah. won that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the, it feels like maybe because of um, – we're working in a place where uh, it is almost uncharted territory, but you can apply the rules of humanity through time mm. that maybe folks in more traditional roles, that does make them a little nervous. Yeah, and, and I can see that and I respect and that's that. that's the other side of it, right? Um, what you were saying, it, you know, it's not just the data and tech. Um, it's we're in an old industry playing in a new space yeah. and trying to marry the two in interesting ways. And that's where, like, yeah, um, the, oh, what was his, uh, Nick Law, I believe, the guy who looks after publicists, global um, CCO, he was speaking at Adweek a couple years back, and he talked about this as well in um, a very interesting way, and especially because it was coming from a creative, a well-respected creative, yeah. you know, like who like people know and respect, because data people or, you know, people who are drinking the Kool-Aid, if you will, can like I mean, say if this you stuff. mix that Kool-Aid, yeah, yeah, drink yeah, it, man. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, but it, it carries less weight, clearly, because there's a perceived bias or whatever right. else. And then when, when somebody from inside um, of functions that are more traditional or more established um, is there addressing, you know, like, of course, people do things they're comfortable with and experienced with, you know, yeah. and so, like, yeah. if you're comfortable with certain channels or certain processes or certain approaches, like, that's what you will do by instinct and by nature. Yeah. And then how do you... Um, harness and create those delta moments yeah. Um, yeah. and you know just to cause that reappraisal in a non-threatening way you know what I mean it's not like you know figure this stuff out or right. your job's on the line yeah, in or six it's months. not actually come in and break it yeah I love what you just said how do you uh, what's the reappraisal yeah. in a way that makes people feel like safe yeah um, I feel like that's a really important way to move mm. forward and when you can do that, it's amazing how much they can amplify the results. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the thing. So you can come to the table with the – because the downside to being new and innovative and cutting edge is immature, right? And there's less of um, the practice and experience and history Correct. behind it. Correct. And so when you're able to surface things around that and then apply this layer of experience, you know, from, like, where things have been, you get disproportionate results yeah. than you would have with yeah. either individually. Right. Yeah. Disproportionate results, that's what the data guy calls magic. Magic. That's yes, 100%. <laughs> that's actually, like, how geeky is that? Like, yeah. I love that side of mm. um, the creative and advertising industry and, and what we're doing. The uh, opportunity to tell stories and the impact mm. um, that utilizing the data mm. to tell the stories to the right people at the mm. right time is, is almost infinite in right. this world. But it's still real hard, you know, like... <laughs> People, well, first of all, call me the now dad at 1-800-23, no. Um, but still real hard. It's still real hard. Just because um, it's like, oh, there's, there's so much um, apparent conflict that comes through. Yeah. And the data uh, that's being extracted and the people extracting it often leave it in an unprocessed state. Correct. You know what I mean? It's almost like you've mined, literally yep. mined ore, and you haven't processed it to turn it into anything usable yep. or applicable yet. Yep. Um, and then combining that with uh, the, the human truths, you know, that drive the rest of the industry. And you are the content, the mm. content queen, if oh, you will. Talking yeah. my language. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so how do you go about doing that? Like, uh, you, you can be bogged down and weighed down by analysis paralysis or whatever people want to yeah, call it. Yeah. You know, like the just sheer volume of data and being able to make it yeah. meaningful is such a gap. How are you able to 
support, drive, collaborate with analytical functions you've worked with in order to be able to elevate that and bring it through to actually delivering something? I think it's, uh, again, because I am the old lady of probably social media now, and especially in this market, is there wasn't anybody else to do the analytics. Mm. We didn't have the, the social bakers or even the back end of Facebook or Instagram or anything going on in the beginning. It was literally a spreadsheet where I can remember a friend of mine, Martin Whitley, when I was working at uh, ANZ, he sat with me for an hour while I cried so he could teach me how to make a pivot chart because my boss at the time, shout out James. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, dickhead. <laughs> I love you. I love you. He's great. Uh, no, no, he's great. Um, he wanted me to have a certain type of chart from data that was just dirty. Like it was dirty data. I couldn't even bring an insight out of that. And Marty sat with me for hours. And he helped me create like a way to visualize. But because I was, I think it was working through that abject frustration of being the first mm. and sitting with somebody, like you said earlier, who knew the way to do something in a traditional way. Mm. Because Marty took the time to help me with that, I was able to go data, data, washed data. Yeah. Holy cow, here's an insight. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that that insight helped us sell many mortgages. But I'm going to say it did help bring up the brand res resilience mm. and resonance mm. at that time, mm. uh, which for me was illuminating because mm. it was like, okay, if we're telling stories and we're doing the right thing at the right time, it works. Long story short, fundamentally, I love just digging into the data. Mm. I love understanding something and having an aha moment where you go, ah, so all of these numbers mean that people actually fundamentally care not about clicking on that banner but the message that says we want to help you take care of your family. Mm -hmm. Now, how do we as a business answer that? How do we how do we make that a promise and deliver to that? Yeah, follow through. Correct. So, I don't know, man. It's a fun little journey, isn't it? It is, and it's cool that you stick in. And I mean, by virtue of having to, perhaps you know. But at the same time, now there's this perception that everything's hard. Um, yeah. Like anything that you don't do or is new is hard, and it's not hard. Like. If anything, it's getting so much easier. Um, I'd democratization agree with that. is one of the big things that are like with a themes. with an S or a Z. Definitely a Z, <laughs> um, but nonetheless, uh, <laughs> uh, creativity is being democratized in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. Uh, media channels are being democratized. Data and analytics is being democratized. Yeah. Like um, it was hard when you had to like crank out code or manually That's clean right. all these roads of data or do That's whatever right. else. But now you've got WYSIWYG or what you see is what you get editors where you drag and drop That's stuff. Right. And right. you don't need to be like a Photoshop pro to make something look cool. And right. you know, like the, yeah. the voice that social's given everybody. Right. And so all of these things are like, it's actually not that hard. And so I get bummed out and I like, I try and I'm been working on finding the best ways to bring people in, yeah. into things yeah. and help them understand that it doesn't have to be that hard. That's one of that's one of the um, that's something that I talk to a lot, uh, especially when I'm out speaking mm. um, at, at events. Is is we overcomplicate the the not complex, mm. meaning what we're doing right now. This conversation is the easiest thing we can do if we can do that as a business and treat each human, each eyeball, each click as a heartbeat as a person with dreams and also realize that no matter how much data we have, we are not rational beings. But you tug at our emotions, man, you've got us. Mm. Simplification, like, like dial it right back, right back. Singing my song, I love it. Um, and we should write a song. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we were doing some Marvin Gaye. Simplification. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Anywho, yep. And we just but lost the, our one follower. <laughs> was there one person? Sorry, wow. sorry. <laughs> uh, but the the emotional rational thing, um, one of the biggest things I've struggled with, like mm. getting my head around. Yeah. Perhaps because I was like I was always good at maths, you know, and like whatever. Like writing, perhaps was. Um, a hobby that I enjoyed, but yep. not like the thing that, because math was so like binary, right? It's like, yes, that's correct. All of them were correct. Good job. And I'm like, yes. You know, like, and there was this whole. Like, the second you started putting like an X in there, that's not a number. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. gotta guess that shit. Letters. Go oh, away. I know. What's the I? The it's... I's? Oh. And then you throw in Greek letters. Anyway. Um, so that's, that's been one where I've, I've expected even, even in corporate environments yeah. and academic environments and everything else, that people would suddenly become rational. Yeah. You know, that it was like, once you get to, like, the business world, like, people can't be emotional anymore. Like, That's it's right. going to be, you have That's to make, right. like, smart dis- business decisions that are rational and well-justified. Mm. No. You know, like, it's just like I was constantly being like, no, people are still real emotional. Of course we um, are. Of and I'm being are. real emotional in my pursuit of things, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's a weird, as much as you like to post-rationalize uh, that We are of, great at that yeah. as human beings. Yeah. The post-rationalization of the all the shit we do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yeah. Some people do it quicker than others. Yeah. I like need to go away and think about it. I'm like, that's why I did that. What a, what a brilliant person. No. <laughs> Post-rationalizing on the fly is effectively bullshitting well, right? I think that's, yeah. Yeah, but your bullshit meter is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's a practiced um, skill. <laughs> you know? Did that person just look me in the eyes and say that? Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, no, and this was the other thing we were talking about. Like, um, authenticity is so yeah. huge, and I've only seen or recognized it more and more as I've, like, um, grown in my career and developed yeah. and met more people. Um, and what I think makes really effective speakers and really influential people and leaders, and, like, yourself included, right, this concept of being genuine and authentic. Yeah. I look you in the eye, you talk to me, yeah. you're not um, reading a script, you're not trying to sell me something, your motives are um, clear yeah. and on the yeah. table, and it's fundamentally like, I can trust you as yeah. a human, and trust yeah. is really the core. I find it interesting, um, i say at least the last decade, there's mm. been a lot of talk, a lot of, since the democratization of sharing, mm. a lot of talk around what you just said, authenticity is a concept. Like, when did that become a concept at work? Like, you know what I mean? Kindness. Yeah, kindness. And kindness not being seen as weak. Yeah. I have had, I shit you not, in my career, two women. Two women bosses who have pulled me aside and told me, one of them actually said to me, um, I was looking through your emails. To first I was like, bitch, what? <laughs> but anyway, she said, I was looking through your emails, and um, I think you really need to stop being so nice to everybody. And I was like, what, but what, what do you mean so nice? And she's like, well, you always ask people how their day was. And you always say things like, how was your son? Did he have a good weekend at the soccer? How did you know they have a son and they're at the soccer? And I, w- I remember looking at her and going, are you joking right now? Like, are you actually? And she said, no, no, I think because people are going to think because you're nice that they can walk all over you. Let's just say I didn't stay there much longer. Mm. Um, because this idea of kindness as weakness and everybody's throwing the word kindness around now too it was like content five years ago content to new black kindness is the new black i think it's a way of life it's a way of comporting yourself Mm. and for me the biggest thing especially in business has always been not to walk out with the title it's it's my parents thank god for them never instilled upon me you are worthy because of your output Mm. you are you are a soul to be purified, you are not a being that is meant to output. So mm. thank God for them. Mm. But I find the older I get, the more 
this truth. The looking people in the eyes matters so much at work, and it is so easy to, um, to, to break apart title from who I am as a human. Mm. I don't want to go to my funeral and go, you know, I'm so glad I worked that 3 a.m. to 9 p.m. every night, and I'm so glad I missed um, that family holiday. I'm so mm. glad I missed that thing mm. um, to put in the extra hours and push that social post live. The, the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to my wife the other day um, because uh, I'm really looking forward to not having a nine to five job. So I resigned from my job. You know this. I'm very excited about the future. There is like opportunity is just around every corner. It's butterflies and rainbows. I'm sure I will pack my pants very soon. (laughs) But we were talking and I have an almost 14 year old daughter and I've never dropped her off at school at school time. It's always been at before school care at 730 and I've gone off to a job. Poor kid. She's starting her freshman year in high school. <laughs> I'm going to be sitting on the bus with her. I literally was like, do you want me to drop you off? Can I take the first day off so I can like be there with you? And she's like, mom, no. I'll just sit in the back of the bus and then I'll walk. And she's like, no, no. I love you, but no. So I feel like the kindness conundrum shouldn't be a conundrum. It shouldn't be something we're throwing around. It should actually be fundamental to who we are as people mm. and who we are at work. Yeah. And but it's scary, right? It's super scary. But I think it's easy to focus on the non-work, non-kind of um, corporate benefits of kindness. Um, And, you know, the intrinsic worth and value and your ability to, like, lift up people around you and bring up the energy and do that. But it's super helpful in corporate settings as well. Um, It's always been one of those things where... um, People, you can tell, and it's actually quite striking when you see it um, sometimes, people who know everybody's name, yeah. you know, even just that, yeah. um, from the person at the front desk to, you know, the IT guys to the service to whatever, everybody, yeah. everywhere is, yeah. like, equally important and needs to be treated as a human and, like, regarded yeah. as such. And if you're kind to them, you form a relationship and rapport. And if you form a relationship and rapport, they're more likely to go out of their way to help you when they can. Oh, it's, you know? it's actually that simple. Yeah. Half of the time... Uh, well, not even half the time, all of the time, it's connectedness that yeah. will bind, uh, it will either bind us all together or it will break us apart. And in the context of business, mm. there are so many scientific studies, you would probably have read all the data around <laughs> engagement. Mm. And that's just a lovely little keyword, like a nice little shiny word to, to hang up that, that's just basically people trusting each other. And without the context, without the sharing, um, we lose that. And I, I've always been fascinated by people who can be one person at work and then another person mm. at home. Like, mm. I went through um, a week-long training as a part of an, a job, and we went away with um, a woman that I was working with, another American woman. And at work, man, she was a ball buster. Mm. She was like, her team loved her, but everybody else was like, stay, stay yeah. away from that one. She will take you out at the knees. And I can remember her standing up in front of a crowd. There was only maybe like 10 of us. It was a pretty small little group. And she said... I'm completely different on the weekends to who I am at work. And I can see now why people don't trust me. And to, ha- to see her have that realization, she wept a little bit. I wept a little bit. Our relationship after that was just at freaking magical um, because <laughs> I just stood up and said, I don't trust people who are one person at work and not the other because how can you be an ass kicker at work and then save animals on the weekend? Mm, mm. It just doesn't, it mm. doesn't allow for trust. So a lot of people are more comfortable to, to be work person at work and who they are at home. And I think there are definitely spaces and guardrails we should play in. Mm. Um, I'm not going to burp in a meeting. Mm-hmm. I'll burp in front of you. In the podcast. But yeah, too. on the podcast, but not in front of you. Yeah. 
so there are, obviously we we don't <laughs> act as like yeah. silly as we There's do. There's professionalism home. and respect for like you Correct. know what you're there for and what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I think the the difference between people's work and home life was so much uh, stronger in the corporate environments in Seattle before I came to oh, New Zealand. Yeah. I think, and maybe it's because it's a creative agency specifically yeah. and whatever else, but in the creative agency, um, there has been this ability, I think, of for people to be more authentically who they are nice. and like bring themselves through, yeah. which is one of the things yeah. that I've enjoyed about like my working environment here. Uh, I think I, I went through the thing in um, university, really, because I remember transplanting from Qatar, and you kind of have that life, right? And yeah. that whole world, and yeah. who you are in that world. And then I had some friends that I formed from like the classes and yep. things that I was doing, and some friends I formed from outside of that, and my friends from where I was from, and my family, and all these things, and never would the five groups meet, you know? Like, I was very much yep. um, orchestrating and arbitrating. And then once I um, transferred and I moved uh, just a few hours away, but was coming back only every couple weeks or once yeah. a month or something, and wanted to see all the people, it was this like intense juggling act I created for myself yeah. where I had to like yeah. try and slot the yeah. people, but like not let them know what I was doing and yeah. like make sure yeah. that I was able to maintain this distinct identity versus yeah. that one. Yeah. And it just like one time on the visit back, it was like, you know what, fuck it. If you guys want to come hang out, come Everybody hang out. Everybody wants to Everybody come hang out. I'm here. I want to see all of you. You know, um, maybe you'll get along. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll get on because I'm here and at least the bridge That's between right. you yep. guys. And yep. we have relationships. And so hopefully that can extend. But it was like so liberating in a yeah. lot of ways. Yep. And it was like one of the major steps in terms of just getting to being the most authentic version of myself that I could be. Isn't that cool? Um, yeah. And, and then realizing like that all of these different people from different parts of your life like our friends now? Yeah, or at least still love you, right? Yeah. Even if they don't get <laughs> Even though, like, that guy was a real dick, yeah, but I yeah. still love you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> And I still want to see you hang out, and we can, you know, figure out ways to make this work. And so um, I think, yeah, being able to see that and that vulnerability that, you yeah. know, must have happened, like, as you said, she wept on stage, and, like, she had this kind of moment. Oh, man. Creates some of the strongest relationships as well. And it's funny how little moments in life become the big ones that you remember. And for yeah. me, that was one of the most fantastic transformations I've ever mm. seen a human have. Mm. Um, she changed her entire life. Mm. Like after that, you could see it was a pivot point for mm. her. Um, her personal life changed, her professional life changed. There was turmoil, there were ups and downs, but she survived it all, and mm. she is so happy now, and mm. this is years ago. Mm. And for me, like, I feel like the proud mama. Like, mm. It's like, wow, girl, you grew. Mm. And I just wanna like lift her and hug yes. her and be like, you queen, you amazing human, well done. And I'm odd, it's like such a satisfying feeling. It's yeah. like probably one of the best feelings in the yeah. world, yeah. Um, especially if you feel like you've been able to contribute and play a part in someone else's like rising of that. Yeah. And so, I mean, maybe the compassion and kindness and everything is really just veiled um, selfishness, right? Yeah. But like, because <laughs> this is one. A little, little bit, maybe? Yeah, maybe, because I've had um, big philosophical debates about this concept, right? Like, okay. is there such a thing as a selfless act? And you'd be like Mother Teresa. Well, it's like, oh, yeah, but did she feel real good about helping all those people? So, like, we, you know, yeah. and are we even capable, there's a science bar, are we capable due to, like, the chemical reactions that are occurring that drive our decision-making? Right, so when the cortisol and the dopamine yeah. and all of that stuff mm. floods in your bloodstream yeah. and you're like, but I'm real namaste, yeah. I, it's so still I, there. Yeah, I think it's just, like, um, it's addicting, right? And yeah. so it's like you, you, you become addicted to the, the feeling, that like uplifting thing of seeing someone else succeed or grow or like lift themselves up. What a cool thing up. to be addicted it, to. Yeah, though. exactly. It's right? like way better than most of the other addictions. Yeah, well, 
That's for another podcast, maybe. <laughs> maybe I seriously have no vices mm. except for lip balm, mm. um, which is weird. But hey. That is good. I, I won't speak to my vices, not in this setting. Oh, my gosh. We usually, so everybody who uh, hasn't met Q or I, um, as you can tell now, we're 50 minutes into this almost. <laughs> and we could go for the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, shall we wrap Ooh, yeah. with one last parting thought. So we've talked a lot about authenticity. We've talked about data. We've talked about kindness. We've talked about creativity. Tell me right here, right now with you, it's the earliest, earliest part of 2020. I mean, Harry and Meghan are in Canada. Trump's being impeached. There's a whole lot of stuff happening in the world. Give me your prediction for this time next year about where you think you will be doesn't have to be physically, but maybe, you know, mentally, whatever. With any luck, um, I'll be back behind this desk for episode 54. Oh, I love you. Yes. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm, I've got some themes on things that I'm trying to embed within the people I surround myself with, my organization, my team, my clients, and everything else. And then personally, um, I've taken to the uh, LinkedIn influencing game slightly. Ooh, the been, LinkedIn. I've been ramping up my hashtag content. Post, hashtag hashtag. <laughs> um, and probably inspired by um, you in uh, many ways as well. But um, I'm really focusing on defining that craft of helping people grow, right? Nice. Uh, through, and that's really driving a lot of growth myself. Nice. And so just a conscious effort and focus on the different perspectives and strategies and ways and elements of things that like I've, I've been doing this unstructured learning thing right Ooh. where it means I can't finish a book cover to cover so I just like <laughs> jump in and I'm like oh, I quite like that that really resonates with where I'm at at yeah. the moment yeah. that's inspired I'm gonna like you know take that maybe share something about it talk to people and like let that simmer and then the next time maybe I'll pick up a different book and find a different page you know that's like, awesome. different things and it has it's been really cool um, but so that's me I'm trying to grow myself through helping others grow in any way that I can and just really like nail that authenticity and kind of genuine element. Um, and hallelujah. 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 And hopefully um, we'll be able to play out. Uh, is it fair to flip the same question back to you? Oh, God. I mean, you're pretty good at it. You're pretty <laughs> good at bringing those questions right back around. I think, um, is it bad to say samesies? No. Uh, I think similar, samesies is yeah, pretty samesies. awesome. Um, like we said earlier, I'm leaving the corporate world for a little while. Um, absolutely stoked, excited. Can't wait to drop my kid off at high school. <laughs> Poor girl. Sorry, baby. <laughs> um, and this time next year, would just love to walk in again, have a conversation like this, and just be happy, mm. knowing that the world has had some better stories put out and there's potentially been a, a positive impact through the work that we do. Because... Damn it, we can make a positive impact little by little by little. Oh, and it feels yep. good. Feels bloody good. It feels Addicted bloody good, it. mate. Bloody good, mate. Um, did we never circle back to that whole gay mom thing? Oh, the gay mom thing. That'll be <laughs> that'll be podcast. Stay two. tuned for the next episode. <laughs> of your gay mom. Yeah. <laughs> featuring me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thanks for joining us. Um, Q, as always, thank you so very, very much. Um Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. So excited to see where you take this. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's us. Thanks, everybody. Now we just send that to Yeah. As, as you do.